called my son up and I said, Hank, you know, my water broke. And he had been like training for this moment for months. And he was like, awesome. I'm going to put on my swimsuit. I'll pump up the tub. Don't worry, mom. <laughs> and it was so oh, amazing. Like, okay. We, we probably have some time. We have some time. Um, but it was really sweet. Um, and he really, my husband had done a really fabulous job preparing him for, for the birth as well. Welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast, your source for positive natural childbirth stories and your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things home birth and motherhood. Well, hey there, happy home birthers, and welcome to episode 108 of the Happy Home Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Fusco, and of course, as always, I love to start off with a question. Do you think that where you give birth affects your partner's involvement? You know, I'm excited to share Julia's stories as we will see quite a difference in how she and her family were able to work together in the hospital setting versus the home. And this is an aspect we've covered much on the podcast, so I'm thrilled for Julia's story because it really does bring up some very interesting aspects. Now, before we jump into the podcast, I do want to take a quick second to ask you to head over to Apple Podcasts if you have just a few seconds to leave a hopefully five-star rating. And if you have a few more seconds, just a quick review for Happy Home Birth. It means the world to me and truly does help the podcast gain more and more traction. I would love to take a second to thank this week's reviewer of the week, and that is Danielle Dula. Danielle wrote beautiful birth stories, comforting and empowering stories, a must listen for parents, regardless of the birth setting they are planning for their family. Thank you, Danielle, so much for taking the time. If you would email me at caitlin at myhappyhomebirth.com, I would love to send you a thank you sticker, a happy home birth podcast thank you sticker. All right, my friends, just another quick announcement before we head into the interview. Happy Home Birth Academy, the premier childbirth education program for home birth mothers, is coming back out to the public in just a few short days, like a week and some change. So if you don't want to miss out, if you want to be the first to know when it launches, then number one, make sure you listen to next week's podcast episode. And number two, go to myhappyhomebirth.com forward slash waitlist, and then you will be sure to receive an email letting you know that it is time to get you registered. That is all that I have for you today. Let's jump into this interview. Please remember that the opinions of my guests may not necessarily reflect my own and vice versa, and neither one of us are medical professionals, so continue to see your doctor, your midwife, or if you're like me, your chiropractor. Julia, thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. I would love it if you just take a moment to introduce yourself to the listeners. Okay. Uh, well, my name is Julia, and I live uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I have three kids, um, Hank, who is six, Louie, who is three, and Georgia, who is just about eight weeks old. Um, and I live here with my husband, and we are luckily and kind of happily both on maternity and paternity leave right now, which is, which is great. Oh, that is wonderful. Congratulations for that. Yeah. So, okay, I am really excited to talk about your journey, especially, you know, you are in North Carolina. That is a very tricky state for midwifery, so I'm looking forward to getting to that. But before we jump there, let's start from the beginning. I'd love to hear what your first pregnancy, what were the circumstances around that? Okay, so I actually got pregnant for the first time um, when I was living down in New Orleans. I was in graduate school. Um, and I got pregnant, actually, you know, me and my husband had been married about two years and we're excited for kids, but we're not planning for kids right then. We were still really young. Um, none of our friends had kids and I was still in school. Um, so we found out we were pregnant and we were really, really excited um, and kind of started shifting things around in our life. And then we actually had a miscarriage very late in the first trimester. Um, which forced us to really, really think about what we wanted because um, it had been kind of a unintentional pregnancy. 
um, right. that we had ended up being really excited about. Um, after we miscarried the first time, we, um, we decided that we were just going to go ahead and try to get pregnant again and just kind of get started with life, even though we were actually only 23 and um, none of our friends had kids and it was like a totally new world. When I was in New Orleans, um, but knowing that I was going to be moving back to North Carolina. Um, and so I saw an OB down there twice and I was always, you know, interested in seeing midwives um, because, you know, my master's is in uh, maternal and child health. And I'd read kind of a lot of the evidence around outcomes for women being better with midwives. But the OB that I saw down there really encouraged me to continue seeing an OB because I'd had a miscarriage, um, which looking back now, that doesn't really make a lot of sense. I wasn't really high risk or anything, but I was really right. nervous and I was really protective of the pregnancy. And so I really followed that advice. So when I moved up to, to North Carolina, um, I was just finishing out my first trimester and I was able to get in with, a, with an OB group um, which I really did look into one of kind of the more holistic OB groups in the area. They do have midwives in the office. Um, but I continued to see an OB. Um, I was really, really excited about having a baby and really excited about kind of labor and delivery. Um, but nervous too. So we took a Bradley class, which was really exciting for me. And it was just, it was just a great overview, I think, for my husband because it's 12 weeks long and it really digs into um, not just kind of the labor part, but a lot of kind of what's happening with your body beforehand and the labor process. And the part that I always found really, really helpful was kind of the emotional milestones of labor, mm -hmm. where your partner can see kind of where you are in labor really without ever kind of physically assessing you, just kind of emotionally seeing where you are. Um, right. with kind of the different things that you'll be maybe saying or feeling or expressing. Um, so we were planning a hospital delivery. Um, at that time, the closest birth center was over an hour and a half away from us, and home birth just wasn't on my radar at all. Um, so we were planning a, a med-free hospital delivery, and I actually went into labor on my due date, um, I woke up at 4.16 in the morning with a very, very intense contraction, um, which looking back, I probably just slept through all of early labor, but I didn't right. expect that at the time. So I woke up with a very intense contraction, um, immediately felt really, really nauseous, went to the bathroom, threw up, and from there was just in kind of hard labor. Um, contractions were really strong and they were really close together and um, you know it was not what I expected for a first-time labor. I really thought that I would kind of gradually ease into labor um, and it would be a really you know a longer process um, and so I still had in my mind that it was going to be a long process. I thought you know 12 to 24 hours and you know it'll get more and more intense and so I was kind of feeling a little bit stressed out about how intense it was kind of in hours, what felt like to me two and three and four, um, feeling that intense that early. Right. Um, so I kind of let my husband sleep just because again, I anticipated it being a long labor um, and wanted him to be well rested. And I kind of labored on my own around the house. Um, I remember watching the sun come up and it was really beautiful and just thinking, you know, this is my last sunrise without a baby. And mm. um, around 9.30, it was just getting so, so intense. Um, I, I, my husband had been up for a couple hours. Um, but it was just getting so intense. I felt like it was time to go to the hospital. And he was, he was a great Bradley husband because he was really encouraged to eat and drink and waited out to go to the hospital. But I was like, no, it really is. It's time now. So we drove to the hospital, which was only about 15 minutes away from us, um, but they were actually doing road construction in front of the hospital, uh, blocking the parking deck. So we were in the car probably an extra 15 minutes just circling and looking for street parking, um, which was not pleasant. You know, I was really not 
And really, I can imagine those, that is not what you want. No, contractions in the car are so uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got into the hospital and we'd taken a tour, but somehow I kind of missed the idea of triage. So we got into the hospital, and as we were walking in, I was vocalizing and really had to stop for contractions. I couldn't walk or talk through them, and I was kind of moaning loudly. And we got up to labor and delivery. You know, and I said, I'm here. You know, my husband, you know, said, we're here. We're ready to check in. And um, the nurse said, okay, well, let's just come in a triage and we'll check if you're actually in labor. And I was really annoyed because I was like, I am in labor. Right. Can you just look at me? I have no <laughs> doubt here. Um, so we got in and um, she asked if my water had broken. And I said, no. And then my water actually had broken. Um, I just didn't realize it because... Again, just a funny thing looking back. When I was kind of throwing up around four in the morning, I felt a big pop and I just thought I was really peeing my pants, which is such a <gasps> thing on your due date while you are in labor. And it just never occurred to me that was my water breaking. <laughs> um, that is fascinating. A little bit of denial there. Right, right. <laughs> um, so my water was broken and um, I was GBS positive. Um, so, you know, they said, I was definitely staying. Um, but then it just, there was, it was so hard to be in triage. You know, at that hospital, they wanted you to be on a monitor for at least 20 minutes straight when you got there, because we had in our kind of birth preferences that we wanted to not be attached to a monitor and we didn't want an IV and I wanted to be able to move freely. Um, and it was just so, so uncomfortable. Um, that I was moving through the contractions, you know, they had put the monitor on my belly, um, but I was getting up and moving through the contractions, just swaying or standing up. Um, And the nurse came in and said, you know, we really need you to lay down. And I I said, I I need to move through the contractions. And kind of my only rougher experience in the hospital. And she said, um, you know, we don't even know if your baby's dead or alive if you're not on the monitor. It's, it's just jarring crazy. to me yeah. um, because I didn't have any concerns about that. You know, I felt him moving between contractions. Um, but it just at that point became kind of very clear to me that I needed to follow their rules, um, mm-hmm. which, you know, it was just, it was so uncomfortable. So I got back in the bed and I toughed it out for the 20 or 30 minutes while I was in triage, just thinking, okay, once I get into my room, I'll be able to move. I'll be able to do what I need to do to get through these contractions. And my husband was really great during this time. He was being as supportive as possible, but the nurses kept coming in and asking him to, even though we'd pre-registered, he needs to fill out a form or do this or do that. And so every time I was having contraction, he'd be doing counter pressure and they would pull him away to do a form that had to be right then. Uh, right, of course. Yeah, so that, that felt frustrating. And so, you know, I, I just kind of kept thinking, okay, once I get into my room, I'll be able to manage. Once I get into my room, I'll be able to move. And so I got into the room. Um, finally, it really took over an hour in triage, which was tough. And by this time, it was about 1130 in the morning. Um, we'd gone in around 1030. And so I finally moved into what would be kind of the, del- the delivery room. And was like, okay, I can, I can potentially do this. And so I started to kind of, I was standing and moving and swaying and my husband was helping. But again, you know, they came in and they wanted to, they wanted to do an IV for antibiotics. Mm-hmm. Um, and it took them a really, really long time to do that. Um, because I, it, it just, they just kept struggling with it. And so I had to sit multiple contractions and sit very still. It was just really hard. Um, and then they asked if I wanted an epidural and I said, no, you know, we're, we're no, you know, and my husband kind of gave our little speech. We had a printout of our birth plan. Um, and they said, okay, you know, you can, tr- you can try. And, so, you know, it was still okay. So finally it was about 1145 and, you know, the doctor came in and checked me and I really, at this point, I was kind of assuming that I was 
pretty far along. I mean, I felt like I was in transition. I felt like it was getting closer. The pressure was kind of increasing. Um, and my husband also kind of had, you know, said to me, was encouraging and kind of saying that you're, you're probably getting closer because this is feeling more overwhelming and, you know, you're less modest. So kind of those emotional signposts. Right. The doctor checked me and said, you're only at a four. And I'm so disappointed and so shocked. And, you know, I thought this is going to be, I said, how much longer will it be? And they said, it might be a really, really long time. You know, do you want the epidural? And I said, yes, because it was so overwhelming. And I, it was really, the contractions were so intense. And I felt like I was not, the nurses and doctors kept talking to me so much during them. I felt like I wasn't able to really understand them or respond to them in a way that made me feel comfortable, you know, advocating for myself or the things I wanted. Right. Um, so the epidural was placed around 1230, 1215 or 1230. And then around one, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm pushing. And my son was born at 119. Oh, man. So <laughs> I... <laughs> Afterwards, it was it was a really positive experience afterwards in the sense that we had immediate skin to skin. We had delayed cord clamping. Um, he They did take him off my chest sooner than I wanted because he was grunting a little bit. It turns out he was really big. He was nine pounds, nine ounces. That's a good old big baby. He was a big guy. Yeah. Um, and they, you know, took him off because he was grunting a little bit, um, but quickly got him back on my chest and things were fine. Um, but I tore horribly. Um, oh. or, um, I had like a labial tear all the way up as well as a tear downward. Um, and when I asked the doctor who was doing the repair, how many stitches, she said, let's not even think about it as a number. And I was like, oh, yikes. Oh. Okay. Yeah. That is not what you want to hear. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. And it was really um, tearing in that way, really shaped my postpartum in that I couldn't comfortably sit to nurse. I couldn't move around. I couldn't, um, you know, I it was just so uncomfortable. I couldn't use the bathroom. Um, even with a peri bottle, it just, it burned so badly. Um. And then also my son developed uh, jaundice, um, pretty severe. Um, and when the day after we were discharged from the hospital, we went to the pediatrician and um, he, we actually had to go right back to children's hospital for five days uh. at jaundice. Uh, and so it was, just, it was a rough postpartum um, that time around. And I was also kind of really processing my labor and delivering because on the one hand, you know, you have everybody saying you have a healthy baby and that's what matters. And, um, you know, that's, that's all really that matters. And I had a number of people say, you know, you don't get a gold star and you don't get a trophy for having a med-free birth. And okay. all, you know, true in a sense. Um, but I was also really, I was disappointed in myself um, just because I was like, oh my gosh, like I had an epidural for 45 minutes. Like I could have done it. If I'd known that it was going to be that quick, I could have done it. Um, but, you know, I also, you know, I just kind of was really struggling with processing how that went. Um, Absolutely. Ultimately, you know, I looked back on it as kind of a positive experience just because it was so kind of life-changing to meet my baby. I mean, I remember... Mm -hmm reaching down and feeling his head as he was coming out. And I did have the mirror to watch. Um, just, you know, when you're pregnant, you know that you're growing a baby. Um, but I think for some women, you feel really connected to that person already. Um, and you feel like you really know them. And that just wasn't my experience. I really, the whole time I knew I was growing a baby, but I was also kind of like, is that really a baby? Like, is it really? Right. You know? <laughs> Like, what does so, that mean? You know, yeah, like, it's like, mean? yeah, I get it. I get it. But like, really, I can't get it yet. Yeah. And so when he was, you know, crowning, I was like, oh my gosh, that's a real baby. <laughs> and so I, I did, I do overall remember it kind of as a, as a positive experience in kind of my 
childbearing journey, even though it didn't turn out quite how we wanted. Right. And, you know, it does just go to show that dang it, that cervix is not a clock. And I just, no, it is not hard. It's hard for all of us. You know, it's hard for, I think it can, or it can be, it can lend itself to trouble for people in, you know, in the hospital and at home. It doesn't matter. Just sometimes when you hear that number and it's not what you're expecting, even though, even us who have, you know, like, okay, I took a Bradley class. I know that it's not, you know, I know that it doesn't mean that it's going to be forever. It's yes. really hard to, to detach from that and to truly kind of believe it in the moment. It is. And I think too, that kind of the framing of how someone shares that information with you can be really powerful. So that's true. When the doctor said, you know, you're only a four and I could kind of feel that she was maybe, you know, not annoyed, but really kind of maybe thought I was you know, kind of being a baby or, you know, you get this much pain for a four, you know, it really, that did shape my decision-making. Sure. Yeah. That totally makes sense because right. If it had been, you know, shaped as like, all right, you're four centimeters. We're just going to keep on going, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Yeah. I see exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was interesting. Um, but again, it was, you know, I had my son and I was happy and kind of said, okay, that's my first. I will do it differently next time. Okay. So the decision is to do it differently. What happened? What happened with the second birth? So the second time, um, I again had a miscarriage in between, um, which was, was just hard. You know, it's hard. It's always hard. Absolutely. Even more weight of that already having a baby, just kind of, Mm. you, you know what you're losing in a way. Yeah. Um, so that was hard. Um, but then again, I got pregnant, uh, right away afterwards. Um, and I continued to see my same OB practice, but they'd integrated midwives now, um, which was great. So I was able to see midwives for all of my prenatal care, but it was still going to be my OB delivering me. Okay. Um, whatever OB was on call. So I kind of went to see and I felt really, really back and forth on how I wanted things to be because in my mind, I still really wanted that med-free natural birth all the way. Um, But at the same time, I was really kind of, my confidence was very shaken about whether I would be able to do it just because last time it had been so overwhelming. So the second time around, um, we decided to um, get a doula. Um, and kind of power through with having that hospital birth again, because that was really, I didn't feel comfortable driving to the birth center. That just felt too far away for us, especially since even being in the car for the amount of time I was in the car last time was so uncomfortable. Right. We got a doula. We were planning to deliver to the hospital, um, kind of refreshed a little bit on our Bradley, but honestly, we didn't do that much because I kind of figured that the doula would do the heavy lifting this time around. So the second time around, um, my, my, I was having a boy again. I was really excited. Um, and I was really caught off guard because I woke up at 38 weeks and stood up and my water just gushed everywhere. I mean, it was a huge gush. And this time I really recognized it for what it was. <laughs> I knew it was not I was pee. like, oh my gosh, I am in labor, but I am not yet in horrible pain. Because the first time I had just woken up, like already kind of in it. And so this time I get to like be it, like I know I'm having my baby and I can just kind of chill for a little bit. So we had my older son, he was um, almost three at the time. And we decided that we would just kind of walk around the neighborhood and we took him out to breakfast and played with him and just hung out. Um, And it was just a really fun morning. Um, And then, so my water broke at seven exactly. And then around 1030, um, I started having contractions that were pretty, like, noticeable. Um, And by 1130, I was like, okay, they are getting really strong. And, you know, my labor before had been overall really only like nine hours. So I was like, okay, I do want to get to the hospital because I want to be able to kind of settle in and labor there before it gets bad. You know, because a lot of the conventional wisdom says to avoid the hospital for as long as possible, which makes Mm -hmm. a lot of ways. 
but my thinking was kind of, I want to be able to get through triage while I'm still managing so that I can settle in when I get into my room. Exactly. Just kind of reorient yourself and yes. yeah, that totally makes yeah. sense. Make your nest. Yes, absolutely. Um, so we dropped my son off with a babysitter and we got up to the hospital around noon and we got there and we called our doula and she came and she was she was fantastic but I think that um, she was great in many ways and has has been probably really helpful to a lot of people um, but we got there and our doula got there got through triage without too much trouble um, but it was still an uncomfortable experience really being on those monitors was just so hard um, and so uncomfortable and I think because my son was, I mean, he was term, he was 38 weeks, but he was maybe a little bit early, you know, on the early side. So, they, you know, you talked about needing more monitoring because of that, which again, it didn't really make sense to me. It didn't feel like there was a lot of evidence around that. Um, right. But, you know, it's, it's tough to argue when you're in labor. It really is. Absolutely. So we just kind of did it. So we got into the hospital, we got into the um, labor and delivery room. Um, I actually didn't have anyone check me this time because I was like, I don't want that. <laughs> like that threw me off last time. Just let's not check me for as long as possible. Um, so the contractions started to get more and more intense. I mean, really as they do, um, it was intense and it was becoming very unmanageable. Um, and I was, struggling to communicate with my doula I think looking back I hadn't really clearly articulated with her perhaps just how important it was for me to have that med-free delivery so when things were getting really really intense around two o'clock you know my husband was doing counter pressure and she was helping and I said I can't do this I really can't do this um you know, and I probably said it with more passion than that. Um, but, you know, I, I said, I can't do this anymore. It's too much. And I just want something. I want, and I want an epidural. And she said, okay, we'll get the doctor. Um, uh, yeah, which at the time, I, even internally, I was like, oh, man, she was supposed to tell me no. <laughs> um, <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. But at the same time, I think I probably said it so passionately. I made a great case for myself that I really wanted it. <laughs> Um, and, and as a doula, one of the things that she really spoke about of herself is really, you know, advocating to help you have the birth you wanted. Um, and so she did have, she was a doula for C-sections and a doula for inductions and epidural births. And so I think that I probably was not clear enough about how important it was for me to have the med-free delivery. So right. I epidural about 2.45 and... Then about 30 minutes later, they came in and said, you are complete and ready to push. <laughs> and I was like, man, again. <laughs> um, but that's that one thing that I did do differently that I'm really grateful for is I said, I'm actually not ready to push. Um, I mm. don't feel an overwhelming urge yet. Because even with the epidural, um, you know, it takes the edge off of the contractions very significantly. But you can still really, in my case, you really f could feel the urge to push or not. Uh, I didn't have that urge to push yet. I said, I don't feel ready. I don't feel like the baby is, I might be contracted all the way, but I don't feel that overwhelming urge to push. Um, and they were kind of annoyed with that, but they said, fine, whatever. Um, and so I waited a little bit longer and about four o'clock, so maybe 45 minutes, an hour later, I said, I feel a very overwhelming urge to push. And the doctor came in and um, I pushed once and my son's head was out. Um, and the doctor, it was a different doctor this time. He was, he was great. And he said, do you want to pull your baby up? And so I did actually reach down and he helped me put my hands under the baby's armpits, came out and pull them onto my chest myself, um, mm. which was really a, a really positive experience uh, yeah. because, you know, having kind of ended up with not quite the birth I wanted again, it did feel really powerful to be able to bring him up myself. And he did stay right on my chest and he was right there the whole time. And my postpartum with him was significantly better because I had very minimal tearing. Um, he nine pounds, 13 ounces. So he was also a big guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that was a couple weeks early too. So right. <laughs> glad he came early on that account. Um, oh. 
Yeah, so it was a different experience. And again, my postpartum was physically much better um, because I, I think part of it was I had really waited to push. Until I was very ready to push. And then I had, you know, been much more measured about how I was pushing him out and, you know, pulling him out myself. And, and that helped me not tear as much, I think. Sure. Oh, I completely agree. And just allowing yourself allowing your body that time to just kind of stretch and mold and be prepared for what's coming. Oh, it just makes such a huge difference as opposed to forcing it out simply because somebody's saying, okay, now you need to force it out. Now it's time. Yeah. 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 So, okay. So still, you know, not the, not the initial plan, not the initial expectation, but still certainly some very positive elements to to the birth and positive elements to the postpartum. Yeah, absolutely. So when we decided to get pregnant again, um, he was about, he was a little bit older. He was almost three when we got pregnant. Um, two kids was like a lot of kids for us and we were very little. Oh, that's where I am. For a little bit. So we waited a little bit longer um, and we got pregnant um, again when he was um, like, almost three. And so this time things felt really different. I had done a lot more research in the kind of interim. I had met new people who kind of broadened my horizons a little bit. Um, and I started to just feel really like I was not going to go back to the hospital at all. Um, it just didn't feel like a good option. Um, but I am in North Carolina. And North Carolina is kind of tricky for home delivery because while it's totally legal to have your baby at home, North Carolina does not recognize um, CPMs, Certified Professional Midwives, who typically do home deliveries. They don't recognize them for licensure. So it's a little bit of an underground network to kind of find the people who will do that because it is a risk to them. Um, so when I first got pregnant, I was seeing, I switched over totally to the midwives still at my OB practice, but I was seeing them initially. And then I was able to kind of through one of the natural parenting Facebook groups in, in my area, um, get some recommendations for some midwives. And went when I was about 10 weeks and I met with a midwife and she was fantastic. And I was so excited. Um, and my husband was very like, he's always been very kind of, um, deferred to me a little bit on stuff like this, just because not only am I like the one giving birth, um, so I do have, you know, my master's is in maternal and child health and I have a lot of, um, kind of coursework and practicum experience kind of with moms and babies and, and birth outcomes. Right. Um, so he felt like I had a little bit more knowledge on it. Um, but he was a little bit nervous about the <laughs> home birth, really just because I think he felt like, you know, an unlicensed midwife might not be, like, how do you know they're a good midwife, right? Like, how do you know they really know what they're doing? Right. Um, but, but we met with our midwife, and immediately he was like, oh, yes, <laughs> this is just, in any other state, she would be licensed, and she has, she's a certified professional midwife, she's gone through all the stuff, and has done, you know, right. tons of births and it's really evidence-based and really fantastic. So we met with her, we're feeling good about it. And then I lost that pregnancy as well, mm. which the third time just felt even heavier because we were even yeah. long. Um, it was, you know, I was showing already and we had told oh. people past that 12 week mark. Um, and so I just felt really, really crushed. Absolutely. And wasn't sure, you know, it just was really hard. Um, but we knew we wanted that third baby. And so, you know, it was my, my midwife that um, we'd seen just that one time was really supportive. And she sent us some, some great books and resources and was just really kind and checked in with us, even though we'd only seen her one time. Um, so that was really nice. And we knew we would see her again, you know, he said, hopefully we will see you again soon. And I did get pregnant again um, on the next cycle, my first cycle. Um, after I, I did have to have a DNC that time. Um, I had DNC the first time, miscarried naturally the second time. 
and then had a DNC this time. Um, just being further along, it was not working to miscarry naturally, and so I did that. Um, but my first cycle after the DNC, I was able to get pregnant um, and start seeing that midwife. And one thing that was kind of um, a concern for us too was just the finances of it. Um, because you can't see, because of the legal status of CPMs in North Carolina, <clears throat> insurance doesn't cover anything for home birth. Right. At all. And so we really wanted to, my biggest fear really was seeing the midwife um, all the way through pregnancy, paying all the midwife fees, and then transferring to the hospital and also paying all of the hospital fees. Um, just because my biggest, I didn't, you know, if I was having the home birth, I wanted to have the home birth, but also just the finances of it, that would have been really, really hard for us to have to pay for both. Right. So one of the things that I did to kind of minimize cost a little bit was I continued to see the midwives at my practice up through um, the anatomy scan um, because I, that these were the midwives at the hospital practice because my insurance was covering all of that. And had I gone through the CPM, I would have kind of had to pay piecemeal um, as she referred me out to, to get the anatomy scan and some of the different lab testing that I wanted. Mm. Did continue to see the um, hospital-based midwives through the anatomy scan. Um, and it was kind of the one that I saw, you know, she actually is very supportive of home birth, so they can't really say it out loud. So I was kind of clear with her that I would be transferring to home birth care after that and just never like officially told the practice that I was leaving. Okay. I was going to ask how that, how that worked with you transferring out of care yes. to kind of technically no care, even though obviously you were receiving care. Yeah. I was really nervous about it. I'm kind of a real people pleaser. I just didn't want to, like, I was just really nervous about it. But this was actually in the middle of COVID where they were like doing total virtual visits anyway. Um, mm. So I just didn't make the next virtual. <laughs> um, and it was fine. Nobody ever called me. They didn't care. Like it was <laughs> kind of telling too, just because, you know, I was so nervous about this. And then they literally like never called to follow up on anything. Jeez. Okay, I guess I really was just kind of a number. Yeah, I, I mean, and especially, yeah, with the COVID stuff, it just, I think everything just went wacky. But yes. did they, so did you request your, like, all of your information? Did you request the, <laughs> how did that go? No, I actually, so they have electronic health records, and I just printed everything off myself. Okay, gotcha. It's like, this is my health record now. So I'm going to keep this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, yeah, so it was a little less official than it could have been, um, but we had everything that we needed. Right. Um, so it was fine. Um, and that was the other thing is COVID was happening at this point. Um, so things were weird anyway. I didn't really want to go to like a doctor's office um, right. anyway. And, you know, I think it was interesting because I was also really glad we'd always, always been planning the home birth for this one uh, because all of the, there's not a lot of midwives in our area um, and they all got kind of slammed with people yeah. home birth right away just because, you know, nobody wanted to go to the hospital. So I was really glad right. we had our spot and we were like on that way um, and we're feeling good about it already. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah that, so, that definitely, that time period, a lot of midwives got slammed. So yes. I think it just happened where like anyone who was kind of on the fence just was like, all right, let's jump. Let's yep. do it. <laughs> well, I think too, for people with like reluctant partners or reluctant families, it was like a really good, like, see? Yeah. Yep. Push them forward too. <laughs> so, okay. Um, what was the rest of that pregnancy like? So it was pretty good. I mean, I, my sons were born in December and January and my daughter was born in July, which is, makes a big difference. <laughs> I have said, if I ever have another baby, I will not have a summer baby. It was, <laughs> felt very, I think probably felt challenging for a couple of reasons. You know, I was 
both of my kids schools I typically I work full-time and now I was working full-time from home with a six-year-old and a three-year-old because their schools were closed um, and yeah those are tough balance. co-workers to have yeah they are tough co-workers <laughs> and they yeah and I was just big and hot and it was kind of fine in the spring because me and my husband he was working from home too um and so we were juggling kind of we were working just like all day from when we woke up to when we went to bed and just juggling the kids kind of back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the spring, cause we would mostly, we don't have like a closed off office at our house. So the person who had the kids would just take them outside. And both of my kids, my, we go to like an outdoor preschool anyway. And the kids like when they're home, they're home, they're outside from like 9am to 8pm anyway. Um, right. Which was totally fine all spring, but then by the time summer came around, I was so hot, um, and it's it gets really hot in Charlotte, and um, it was just really hard for me to like be outside with them in the heat all day, being so pregnant. Yeah, got a little more challenging at the end, and I also always like I carry really really big, um, and that's never bothered me before really and I've always been kind of just kind of laughed off people's comments or you know when people are like oh you must be having twins or like you must be way overdue was kind of laughed it off Uh, but this time it really got to me it just Mm. just hard Um, and I also have always throughout pregnancy felt really great and enjoyed being pregnant Um, and like even kind of when I got to the end with my other two never had the feeling of like get this baby out I just was like yeah I could do this a couple more weeks Right. Um, and that was not the case this time. <laughs> that was I not was true really, with my <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was tough. Um, and I think that I had kind of set myself up for a little bit of, you know, a, an emotional experience around being pregnant because, you know, to have the home birth, you have to be 37 weeks. And I had no reason to think that I would, you know, go into labor before that. But that was such a marker in my mind that it kind of, that date kind of became the date that I viewed as like my due date almost. Mm. (laughs) Um, And so when I got to that, I just felt done. Like I felt like, okay, the baby can come. It is fine. Like I will, you know, it, it, I felt overdue after 37 weeks just because I had put so much stock in, in that date. Right. Um, and then especially because my son had come at 38 weeks, I was like, this baby will definitely come before 38 weeks. <laughs> Not. <laughs> <laughs> Which was fine. Um, I also, it was funny because I kind of had a couple different due dates, you know, or guest dates just based on either my cycle and when I was pretty confident that I got pregnant versus when the early dating ultrasound had said I, you know, they were about six days apart. Um mm. It was also kind of like, how, you know, how far along am I really? And, you know, so it just, it felt really tough at the end. That Um, makes sense. So for kind of the week leading up to her labor, I was like doing all the things. I was walking and bouncing and doing this and talked with my midwife about it. And and she really just kind of gave me a great reality check in the sense that, you know, she was like, you can walk yourself silly and you might put yourself in labor a little bit sooner than you would have gone into labor naturally, but then you're going to go into it exhausted, you know, and you've never gone overdue before. And you're, it's like, you're going to have your baby when you have it. And isn't it better to just go into it being well rested and calm and happy instead of just, you know, trying to make it happen, being frustrated that it doesn't and being exhausted when it finally does. Right. That was really helpful advice for me. Um, you know, it helped me really kind of step back and just say that I'm just going to enjoy it and it's going to be and things come when they come. Mm-hmm. So on July 30th, I was like, depending on what due date you use, I was either 38 weeks in a couple days or 39 weeks in a couple days. Um, and my husband was amazing and he let me sleep in that morning um, to like 1030, which is not common when you have a six-year-old and a three-year-old home. Usually you kind of need right. hands on deck when everybody's working, but it just all worked out. So at 1030, I kind of woke up and felt really rested because I had slept really well the night before. 
Um, and I texted my husband from upstairs. I'm like, can you bring me some water? And he said, yeah, how are you feeling? And I said, I'm still pregnant and a frowny face. Um, and then I stood up and my water broke. I, <laughs> I just couldn't believe it. It was not the huge gush like I'd had before, um, but it was a very clear trickle. Like I was not, I was like, okay, this is my water. Um, mm-hmm. So excited. I was so happy. And um, I called my six-year-old up because that was one other thing. He is been so excited to have a sibling a baby sibling you know he loved his brother but he has always wanted a sister um and when we found out that this baby was a girl that was just it was just really wonderful for our family because you know if we'd had three boys I would have been just fine with it you know I it was fine either way to me um but I there's a piece of me that has always wanted a daughter and so I you know thought that would be really fun so I was so excited and then my son was just over the moon that he was having a sister. Was, that was also, I kind of forgot to mention, but that was one of the other big things that really wasn't kind of helpful in choosing the home birth, really going for it this time. My two main thoughts were, I want my kids there. And also, I don't think it's possible for me to have a med-free birth in the hospital. So those are my two things that really put me on the course to home birth. Right. I broke, I called my son up and I said, Hank, you know, my water broke and he had been like training for this moment for months. And he was like, awesome. I'm going to put on my swimsuit. I'll pump up the tub. Don't worry, mom. <laughs> and it was so well, amazing. Like, okay. We, we probably have some time. We have some time. Um, but it was really sweet. Um, and he really, my husband had done a really fabulous job preparing him for, for the birth as well. Um, because one of the things that my midwife had said is that kids are fabulous at births if they have a job. And so we yeah. come up with a list of little jobs for him. And then my husband also, we didn't want to overwhelm him with information, but my husband had also um, given him kind of a list of three things that he could do to help me. And one of those was like saying affirming things. So he'd helped him practice how to say like, you're doing great and you're so strong. And he um, practice um, rubbing my arms. And then uh, he helped him practice kind of doing, you know, as much as a six-year-old, some counter pressure. Um, oh. I was like, these are the things I can do. I'm going to do them. It's going to be great. Um, so that day we, we were scheduled to have a prenatal with my midwife, but I texted her and said, you know, don't come. Don't worry about it because I'm going to have the baby later on. And so both of my labors before had been pretty, pretty short. So I, when my water broke at 1030 in the morning, I was like, awesome. I'm gonna have this baby by dinner time. <laughs> um, and that wasn't quite the case. So I had, <laughs> oh, no, boy. yeah, but it was great. I mean, it was fantastic. Like it, it all turned out good, but it was different than I expected. So I was also, I was GBS positive again, but neither of the previous times had I ever like gotten the antibiotics because you have to be in labor for long enough for them. And I never was. So this time I had just said like, I'm not worrying about it. Like I'm not dealing with it because I'm not going to be in labor. Right. So there was like, a, I, I kind of had like a tiny bit of like, not concern, but just awareness that, you know, my water was broken. And so, you know, that, that mattered a little bit to me. Um, but I also knew that, you know, I could go a good long while and it would be fine. So I, Spent the day. It was great. My husband and I immediately, I had kind of a to-do list for him um, of kind of right away things. Um, and most of them were just kind of like tidying up things just because I wanted my space to be really kind of neat and tidy. Um, he went ahead and the pool. We didn't fill it up yet or anything, but he blew up the pool. And, you know, by noon, probably an hour and a half after my water broke, like we were like ready for the home birth. Like all of our stuff was out, pool was ready. And then we were just hanging out. Um, I didn't have any contractions, um, so me and my son went on a long walk while my husband kind of did a couple other, like, tidying up things, um, and we saw neighbors, and it, it's always kind of funny when you're out and you see people, and they're like, oh my gosh, what do you do? And you're like, my water just broke so soon. Uh, <laughs> I think you're kind of goofy for kind of just living life. Exactly, for being, <laughs> for existing. <laughs> but it was nice, so we, we walked around the neighborhood for a while, and then we came home and I uh, baked a couple snacks and hung out. And then 
um, my parents, we had called them to come up and just kind of be on deck with my three-year-old um, to help be helpful with him. And so um, they were kind of helping out with him. And his big job for the day was to bake a birthday cake for the baby, which he was really excited about. And then he also had it in his mind that he really wanted to decorate for her birthday party. So he was kind of putting up streamers and blowing up balloons and, and working on his little cake with my parents. And we were just really hanging out and I ate normally throughout the day. And then, um, you know, my midwife did come over late in the afternoon just to kind of just say hi, see how things were going. And I let her know, you know, things were fine. You know, I was still, my water was still trickling, but no contractions. Um, but as the day progressed, it was kind of int- like, I wasn't concerned at all, but I was just like, interested. I was like, this is neat. This isn't what I expected that I wouldn't be having contractions yet. Okay. But around, around 630 in the evening, um, I started to have contractions and they did, um, they were intense pretty quickly. It was, it's funny. I, I think, you know, I just don't have those early crampy contractions or don't experience them then the same way as other people might. Um, right. Start off contractions. They did, you know, they were, they were, you know, they weren't unmanageable by any means, but they were very noticeable and they were very clear contractions. And my husband was like, "Should we call the midwife?" And I was like, "No, it's fine. Like, don't worry about it." And a lot of people, um, you know, I'm not discounting the importance of timing contractions for a lot of people, but I've just never timed contractions. It's never been important to me. I've always just gone on intensity of contractions, mm-hmm. you know. And so he was kind of fiddling with maybe timing them. And I was like, don't worry about it. It's fine. I'll know when it's time to call. Um, and we had a birth photographer for, for this um, one as well, which I was really excited about. And so it was important to me that she be there and that the midwife be there. So I kind of was just kind of having these like, you know, medium-ish contractions um, until about eight o'clock. And then I told my husband they were getting on more intense. Um, kind of a marker for me of intensity is, the early contractions I can take sitting on a birth ball, rolling around. And then as soon as I start having to really stand up for them, you know, fully up uh, and moving and moaning, then they're more intense. And so that's kind of a marker that I use. And so we're getting that way. And so around eight-ish, we called the photographer and the midwife and said, no, come on, you don't have to to rush, but you know, we're, we're getting there. And um, my three-year-old was fantastic. He never does this, but he was like, I'm going to go to bed. I was like, oh, oh wow. <laughs> um, so we were able to tuck him in and put him to bed. Um, and, you know, my six-year-old was hanging with us still. And so the photographer got there around 8.30. And then about 8.45, my midwife and her assistant got there. And when they got there, and all of a sudden, it just felt so real to me because they had all their stuff for the baby. And again, even the third time around, I knew I was growing a baby, but there's still always just this kind of like, is it re- like it's really, really a baby? Hmm. I feel really real. Um, and I was laboring and my husband was just, it, he was amazing. Um, he was able to use all of the partner techniques that we learned in Bradley that he hadn't been able to use the past two because he was packing the bag or loading the car or driving or parking or filling out forms, you know, all of these logistical things got in the way of him being able to be the birth partner that I needed and that he wanted to be. Um, and home, those things just weren't a factor. So he was amazing. I mean, he was like a top-notch doula. I mean, he was so good. Um, and my six-year-old was amazing. He was, you know, kind of going between um, kind of physically being close to us. And then he kind of made a little nest in the corner of our room and he was coloring, <clears throat> just enjoying himself, relaxing there. Um, and it was just fantastic. And we'd really prepared him too for the fact that I would moan and make noise. And, and so contractions just continued to get more intense and the tub was all filled. and my husband was encouraging me maybe or just kind of asking, you know, did I want to get in? And I really didn't. I think I had a big kind of fear of getting in the tub and having to get out of the tub. 
Mm-hmm. Also, I had a big fear. I've heard so much that being in the tub can help so much. I was really afraid that it wasn't going to help. And then I would be like, oh, man. Right. <laughs> really holding off on that as long as I could. And my midwife and her assistant were great. They really said almost nothing to me. They listened to the baby every now and then. And then when I kind of noted that I was feeling really heavy pain kind of in my pubic bone in a way that I hadn't experienced in labor before, they used a rebozo to kind of lift her during contractions. And then they suggested lunging at one point just because of the way that um, I was experiencing the pain, I think, with maybe the fact that she was a little, little um, not in the ideal position. Right. Like asynclitic maybe or. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And she'd always, I had gone to the chiropractor, you know, multiple times a week the last two months of my pregnancy and she had always stayed on the side so and posterior so I was knew that that was probably what was happening right um, we'd done all the spinning babies and everything but she just was not wanting to move she just wanted that position yep yeah. <laughs> so um so around 10 30 I got in the pool and had a couple of contractions in there. And I was a little, I was actually a little disappointed. The pool did not take the edge off on contractions the way that I thought that it would. But oh, man. Yeah, I know it was a bummer. But what it did do, it really helped me relax between contractions. Mm. It was really helpful in that way to me. Um, during contractions, I think just because I tend to want to be really upright when I'm, you know, having contractions, that it just, it, it, wasn't exactly what I wanted, but it did feel good. And it was where I wanted to be. So around a couple minutes after I got in the pool around 1035 ish, um, my midwife asked if I wanted to be checked. And I did at this point, they hadn't checked me or anything at that point, but I said, I did want to be checked. Um, just kind of for my own knowledge. Um, and they checked me and I was, um, you know, at about, she said I was a, a six, and the baby was negative one station, um, which I was okay with. Like, I was like, okay, that is doable. Like, I can do this. Um, I was a little bit like, I don't know. I, I was managing still, but it was getting, it was getting, it was getting intense, but I was really managing. And so the midwives, you know, were talking to me and they said, okay, you know, it's kind of a game plan thing. You're doing fantastic. And they were so supportive, but they said, your contractions are still six to seven minutes apart. Um, and I think it would be helpful for you to eat a little bit and move a little bit. And that really did not, I was not happy about that because again, <laughs> I was getting out of the tub, which I didn't want to do. Um, and I also just, the idea of eating just, it wasn't there. So they asked my husband if he would go get me a snack. Um, and I said, can I just stay in the tub till he can, till he gets back? Because I, I just can't do it without him. And they said, of course, of course. Um, so I was kind of floating in the tub and I hadn't realized my contractions were still so far apart um, just because they were building in intensity. And then um, my next contraction came and I just felt a sensation I've never felt before. Um, my daughter just moved all the way down and I just shouted, oh my God, I'm, I'm pushing and that's not right. And my midwife had just checked me and I was just at a six. And they said, well, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. And they, they, you know, reached back down and I reached down and my daughter was crowning. <laughs> and so they shouted for my husband to come up and my son had actually stepped out too. They shouted for him to come up. Um, and, you know, it, it was actually I have the birth video with music and I have it without. And I'm just kind of like very impressed with my like momness, even when I'm like deep in labor. Because my daughter mm-hmm. is crowning. My son is in the pool with me and he's got his hands over his ears because I think I was a little bit loud. And I'm saying to him, it's okay, Hank. This is normal. This is natural. It's going to be loud, but no one's hurt and it's okay. Oh. Um, and then my midwives did say, you know, we want you to push gently, but you, you know, since your contractions are far apart, we want you to really get her out on the next one. You know, once her face is out, you want to get her out on the next one. Mm-hmm. And so the next contraction came and I pushed her all the way out. Mm. And she was born at 1047, which was like 12 minutes after they had said I was a six. Mm-hmm. 
And it was just the most amazing, beautiful feeling. Um, my husband was crying and I had her on my chest in the pool. And it was just everything I have always wanted from birth. Mm. Um, and it just, it was amazing. And I was just shocked that I had done it. But I was also shocked that it had been so manageable because my last two, the pain was not, I was not able to manage it in the same way. And I think that really was because the hospital tensed me up and it made me lose my biggest support person to logistics. And it, it made it really difficult for me to just be and be comfortable. And that really shifted my experience of the pain. And so being at home, you know, it was intense. I don't want to downplay, you know, still giving birth, but it was so manageable and so comfortable. And then, you know, we stayed in the pool and I delivered the placenta easily, probably the next two contractions or I don't remember exactly, but very quickly. Um, And I just stood up and could immediately walk comfortably. I mean, my midwives were very supportive of me, but, you know, I was able to walk and go over to my bed and lay down and just snuggle up with this baby. And it was just amazing. And she was only nine pounds. So she was my smallest. A little peanut at nine pounds. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but it was just amazing. And my postpartum was also just wonderful. Um, And I know I absolutely understand the importance of resting and I did a great job of resting, but I also really was very, it was important to me to be able to listen to my body and I wanted to move and I felt really good about it. And so I was up and walking with her just kind of in the woods and around our neighborhood and, you know, within a couple of days of her birth. I mean, I wasn't pushing myself, but it felt really like something that my body wanted to do was to Mm -hmm and to take her out into the world. Um, well, and also, you know, you had torn to some extent both yes. times. And, and I didn't this you, time, which was yeah. amazing. Oh, it makes such a difference. I just thought that was like inevitable, but it is not. Um, and I really credit my midwives who, you know, while I was pushing her out, they weren't, they weren't doing like guided pushing as much as just saying like, breathe and push, you know, really helping mm-hmm. push. I did it in one contraction, but slowly, you know. Yes. That's amazing. Quite a bit. For sure. Um, (laughs) Like that gliding. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I love your description of how she went from, you know, from a little higher up to, um, and you at six centimeters to crowning. That Mm -hmm. is exactly what happened with my first. And I just don't, Yeah. I just don't hear a lot of moms having that exact experience where it's like, you feel the baby. You can feel it. And it's like, like, (laughs) it's just, it was the most, I remember like, it was the most shocking experience of like, okay, I felt my baby up higher. And then all of a sudden she is on the perineum. Like what a crazy experience. Yeah. And it's just like the adrenaline and like, I mean, it's just amazing because it's like, Mm -hmm. I mean, you do, you feel, you feel that movement. It's, you know, I guess it's just a couple, it's not a huge physical movement in the sense that it's really, it's not that far, you know, for them to move, but does it feel (laughs) when it happens? (laughs) For sure. (laughs) Oh man. Well, Julia, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your stories. It's amazing to hear the difference that you experienced, you know, between the hospital and the home birth and not just the, you know, obviously like you had some good care in certain places and in certain ways in the hospital, but, but really honing in on that aspect of how your husband was able to step in and get to, he got to do the things that he wanted to do without being inhibited by people coming in and saying, oh, you need to do this, or, you know, kind of taking him away. That makes so much sense. And it's so amazing to hear how, you know, home birth is a family event and your husband and your kids, everyone got to be there with you as you welcome this new little love into, mm-hmm. into the world. Yeah, it was, it was such an affirming thing. It was just an affirming experience and it was really connecting for me and my husband mm. Um, I love and, to hear that. you know, my three-year-old came in at 
six in the morning the next morning and we were just in bed with the baby and he was able to snuggle her and it was just it was just a, it was great and my you know my six-year-old stayed up till 1 a.m that night the lady stayed up just Aww. helping weigh her and that, that's the other thing the midwives were so family-centered you know they had he cut the cord and he was you know in the pool with us and they were explaining everything in the placenta to him and just that family-centered experience is not something that you get elsewhere. Right. Absolutely. Wow. Well, thank you so much, Julia, for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. It was such an honor to have you. Yeah. Thank you so much. I, I have loved listening and it's helped me a lot. So, yeah. Wow. What a sweet story. You know, as we jump into this week's episode roundup, I have two points that I really wanted to bring up and focus on. And the first one is that children can be amazing to have at birth, and they generally handle it very well, especially when they have a job, a task to do. I loved having my daughter present for my second baby's birth. We had my sister here to help keep her entertained when necessary, but it was beautiful having her involvement as her baby sister was born. Now, if you do want to hear more about that, there is actually a Facebook live interview that I did inside of Happy Home Birth podcast community with my good friend, Sarah, who has six kiddos and is practically a master at this. So if you want to learn more information, make sure you join the Happy Home Birth podcast community on Facebook. And the second point that I wanted to make was where you give birth can have an impact on how your partner is able to care for you. This is huge and such a great point to consider, although I feel like we haven't really talked about it much on the podcast. When you're leaving the home, there will be more logistical issues, more tasks. Simply put, more things for him to do and consider. When staying home, he can be focused on caring for you. This gives such a sense of empowerment to both parents and allows for a family birthing experience. Okay, my friends, that is all I have for you today. And I just so deeply enjoyed Julia's story. I know that you did too. And I look forward to seeing you back here next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Are you looking to extend the home birth support, encouragement, and education? Join us in our Facebook group, Happy Home Birth Podcast Community, and check us out on Instagram at Happy Home Birth Podcast.